Thank you for listening today to our podcast here at Word of Life. We're delighted that you tuned in. And I pray that while you hear us talk, you hear the Holy Spirit speak. I know God's got a big plan for you. We're excited to be a part of that plan. Hopefully we will see you sometime soon, maybe even this weekend. Until then, we pray you have a wonderful, wonderful week. Hey, church, how many of you know our God really is a miracle-working God? Oh, man, I tell you what, I enjoyed worship. Uh, Everyone at the Lakeland campus, can we give it up for everyone watching at our Highland Colony campus? I know you guys are having a great time. Uh, And then can both campuses, can we get it for everyone watching around the world online? Yes, we're glad that you could tune in no matter where you guys are watching from. Uh, Two things I want to make mention of this Wednesday night at our Highland Colony location. If you're already at Highland Colony, you know exactly where you are. But if you're at our Lakeland location or online, uh, you may not know exactly where that is. Uh, Right next to Costco, uh, we have another campus, and uh, it's our Highland Colony campus. And on Wednesday night at 7 p.m., we're going to have what we call a revival night. Uh, And this is a service that is directly for those who kind of want to press into God. Uh, Throughout the clock, throughout the schedule, press into God. Uh, And we believe that when we draw near to God, God draws near to us. And we want to create environments uh, for people who really want to press. And so that's what that's for. If that's not intriguing to you, uh, don't come. (laughs) Because we want people there who really want to be hungry and thirsty. Uh, Because how many of you know when we're hungry and thirsty, that's when we're filled? Uh, but if you're, you're a person who says, you know, Pastor Joel, in this season of my life, I, I really want to press into God in a real deep, dramatic way. I, I want to just draw near after him and just encounter him in ways that I've never encountered him before. Then revival nights are for you. And that'll be this Wednesday night at our Highland Colony campus at 7 p.m. Based off of how many people turn out, we might have to move it the, the next revival night after that one uh, to our Lakeland campus. We will see. Uh, but we'll let you know. And then next weekend is July 4th, uh, and that falls on a Sunday, uh, which you can imagine complicates things for church attendance <laughs> because so many of our volunteers uh, and things are traveling and that kind of thing. So we're simplifying our services. This is key for that Sunday only. It is the only Sunday the service schedule will be this way. But for next Sunday at our Highland Colony campus, we will only have the 10 and 11.30 service. There will be no 8.30 service at our Highland Colony campus, only 10 and 11.30. And at our Lakeland campus, there will be no 11.30, only the 10 o'clock. So for everyone who is here right now at the 11.30 service at the Lakeland campus, next Sunday, this will not be here. The Sunday after that, it will be. Next Sunday, though, only the 10 o'clock. And then after that, I need you to come back to the 11.30 service the following weekend. That would be just such a huge blessing if you could remember uh, to do those two things. So uh, we can't wait to celebrate with you. We're going to have some special things at all of our locations for the 4th of July, popsicles and, you know, a fun little fellowship. But then water baptism. uh, And it's just a time for us to go public with our faith. I'm going to be preaching. I don't know on what yet, but I will be 
be communicating, uh, and we're going to have just a really great time. So come out for that. Uh, Open up your Bibles, if you brought them today, to the book of Matthew, and we're going to look at Matthew chapter 18. Uh, A couple of uh, weeks ago, me and my wife uh, were going to sleep, and I rolled over, and the Holy Spirit began to deal with my heart. Um, And uh, when I say that, uh, for those of you who might be unfamiliar with terminology like that, uh, Jesus said, I'm going to send you another comforter. I will not leave you comfortless. I'm going to send someone to help you, and his name will will be um, the comforter and a guide, and he will teach you and show you all things. And this person is the Holy Spirit. He is our guide. He is our counselor. And so he is what makes our Christianity and the word of God come to life. Uh, I was thinking about that this week. I was actually in a city I had never been to before, and I was traveling home, and I thought, I'll stop in this city for coffee. It seems like a good city for coffee. Uh, and so I stopped in the, in the downtown area and pulled up coffee shops by me uh, and began to search through all the ratings, and I got out of my car, and I was just walking around. I thought, you know, it's great to have a map But how much better would it be to have a guide? Uh, Like, I'm thankful for Google Maps that could kind of show me, like, the quickest way to my coffee shop. But I wonder how many things I'm missing and how many things I'm not noticing or what's a good sandwich near me or, like, you know, any of these little holes in the walls that, uh, you know, the map might not know, but a good guide would know. Um, And so the word of God, I'm so thankful for it. It is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And it's a wonderful map. But you combine a map with a guide and I'm telling you it comes to life. And the Holy Spirit is our guide. He knows the future better than you know the past. And you can talk to someone who, if you listen to their guidance, will lead you into a a destination that is better than anything you could possibly imagine. Uh, And this is the beauty of uh, being a Christian is that my spirit has been born again, which means my heart is alive unto God and God can guide me. Now, here is something that is important for each and every one of us to know, that if I am not sensitive to the Lord's correction, I will not be able to receive his direction. Oh, come on, somebody. Like, if if I keep hardening my heart to the Lord's correction, I'll not be sensitive to his direction. And so sometimes God, the way he directs us is by correcting us, and his correction is never harsh. His correction uh, is, is never something that is not to be desired. Uh, it is something that is designed to course correct. That our life in some way is drifting and the Holy Spirit is, is grabbing our life and putting it back on the course it should be in and, and, and should be on. And this was what was going on in my life is the Holy Spirit began to correct me. And I'm rolling over to go to sleep and the the Holy Spirit just asked me this question in my heart. He said, you still believe in the prayer of agreement, don't you? And when he said that, I immediately knew what he meant. 
Um, me and my wife have been married on July 8th. It'll be 16 years we have been married. I know, right? Uh, it's, it's amazing to think about that. Uh, and uh, so we, she got married. We, uh, she was 18 when we got married. That's a true story. I was 21. I thought she was actually 19. Uh, like we had only dated for three months. Uh, so, so when we got married, she's like, oh, I can't wait to turn 19. And I'm like, you're not 19 yet? I'm like, you're 18? Uh, so anyway, uh, um, but out of that, our relationship started with me pastoring. I started pastoring at basically 18 years old. And so I had gone uh, a number of years without dating anyone. And so when we began to date, I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like, are there rules in, a, in dating a pastor that don't exist in like other dating relationships? And like, you know, there's so much I'm thinking about. I'm like, I don't know how to process this. And so one of the things I decided to do, and it was not because like I, I was like this super spiritual person. I just thought that this should be something that like a pastor would do with the person he was dating. I, and like, you know, made this rule up. Uh, I told her, I said, at the end of every phone conversation, because she lived in Birmingham, Alabama, and I lived here in the the Jackson Metro, uh, so we talked a lot on the phone, and I came up with this rule that before we would hang up, I will close uh, that conversation with prayer, and we'll pray, and we'll pray for our relationship, and we'll, we'll pray for anything that comes up. If there's something in your life that you want to pray for, we can pray for that. If it's a family member or, uh, you know, for me, a family member or at the church or just anything that comes up, we will pray together at the end of every phone conversation. And it was just one of those rules that just governed it. And so our relationship was literally birthed out of prayer. And then we got married, and she moved here to, to the Jackson area. And at the end of every day, that's how we would end the day. We would end praying. We would end confronting the darkness and the chaos uh, in other people's lives and darkness and chaos that was trying to come into our lives. And we would end with prayer, speaking a hedge of protection over our family and over our church and Uh, There would be issues that have come up in 16 years where family members got separated and and just division came up and we would pray for that restoration. Or we would see someone get ill in our family and we would pray for that individual. Or sometimes there were tensions even developing in our marriage (laughs) and we would pray for those things. Uh, as our kids uh, began to, to be had and we began to parent those children, there were things that attacked their physical bodies. And we prayed together as a couple for those things. And now that our, our kids are teenagers, there are things that are attacking their minds. And we pray against those things. We have a marriage that is built off of prayer And I don't mean to sound overly spiritual because this is not one of those things that when we do it, like light fills the bedroom and the heavens part and God's glory just 
floods in. Like, I don't want to over-romanticize it because I think so many people uh, typically over-romanticize these things and they take it out of the realm of possibility. Uh, a lot of times we're struggling staying awake <laughs> while we're praying. And there are times where I know she's asleep uh, and like all of these things and, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Like we have seen, uh, you know, just the simplest basic form of the prayer of agreement, but that has been the bedrock of our relationship. And out of that, I kid you not, it's probably the most powerful thing that we do uh, from buildings being built to buildings being supernaturally paid for to bodies being healed to where people who literally could not be in the same room with each other uh, have reconciled and eat and fellowship together to uh, seeing our children healed, like our, our children literally healed uh, to seeing our, our children uh, develop into worshipers and followers of Jesus. Like a lot of the, well, I say a lot, and I don't want to exaggerate here, Lord, so help me if I am, uh, but all of the good things, and I, I don't think I'm exaggerating, uh, all of the good things uh, that we see in our life have sprung out of that. Um. And um, over the past couple of months, I have just gotten busy. Uh, like the church has grown uh, online and now with another campus and all of those things, the, the scope of what I think about has expanded. Uh, and, uh, you know, what I have to manage, the scope of that has expanded. And I'm, I'm working to adjust to a new normal when it comes to that. And then on top of that, I have uh, three children, two of whom are teenagers, uh, and the scope of parenting is expanding. Uh, there are things that I didn't have to think about that now I'm having to think about, which has led to time uh, being um, given. I, I won't say taken because it didn't take it from me, uh, but I willingly gave it, and I have to remind myself I can take it back anytime. I want to. Uh, but out of that, um, my nights have kind of changed, and I've seen a lot of my nights be taken up sometimes with work or sometimes with just wanting a personal rest uh, or sometimes just wanting to kind of like just sit or whatever it may be. But our sleep schedules began to change a little bit, with oftentimes meant she was going to bed before I was. And uh, out of that, we did not pray together uh, near as much as we were before. And on this one particular night, uh, I, like I said, I got in bed and I rolled over and I could tell she wasn't asleep uh, yet either. And when I, I rolled over, the Holy Spirit, like a flash, showed me all of that. And showed me all of the wonderful miracles in my life and how the bedrock of those things has been built off of that moment. And he asked me that question. You still believe in the power of agreement, don't you? And I'm like, yes, Lord. I rolled over and I grabbed her and I said, let's pray. Let's pray right now. Uh, and a very simple prayer um, and just, just a, a, a very innocent prayer and a very 
um, um, basic prayer, but also understanding the power of it. And I, I want to ask you this question, and I do want to get somewhat personal, but when's the last time you did that consistently with someone, like got together, took the words of Jesus and applied them to your life and said, there's power in this, let me pray with someone. There's power in this, let, let me invite Jesus into this moment. Uh, Jesus said something very interesting in Matthew chapter 18, and I just want to read it together. Uh, It'll be on the screens as well. But he says, again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they will ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. So notice this part, and then we'll look at verse number 19. But notice verse 20. He says, when you get together to pray, and you're together in my name, I show up. So he's like, you want me in your marriage? Get together in my name. You want me in your church? Get together in my name. Come together. Now, this this together is not just like physically together, but it's like spiritually together. Together, being, being fully present with someone, not being withdrawn, but being present together. He's like, I'm there. And he started this conversation with verse number 19. He says this, again, I say unto you. Now, do any of you have kids? Anybody have kids? Highland Colony Campus, any, any of you have kids? Yes. Uh, so if you have kids, you know there are some things you're going to have to say again. Uh, any of you have those things? Uh, like my oldest son, he's here on the front row. If you ask him, is there anything your parents have had to tell you again, he would agree that there is. Specifically, and this is a good day to remind you again, trash day's tomorrow. Tra- <laughs> I know I've told you this before, but trash day, it is tomorrow. Monday is trash day. And I know I said this to you before, but again, I say unto you, trash day is every Monday, literally Every Monday is trash day. Uh, so there are often times with our kids where we have to say something again. And why do we have to say it again? Because it's, it's uh, known and it's understood, but it's not executed. So because it's known and understood, but not executed... He comes back to say it again. Again, I say unto you, understand how powerful this is. Watch what he says. If two of you will agree on earth as touching anything that they will ask, it will be done for them, which is my father in heaven. I I want your, your mind to go wild about the possibilities of this. If you had the, the news, like your boss called you tomorrow, and they're like, you know what? You come into work tomorrow, I'm giving you a $100,000 bonus. And some of you are like, woo, I heard a woo over here on the second row. I thought, woo, woo, uh, like out of that, $100,000 bonus. What would you begin thinking about? All the things you could do with that money, like all the possibilities that uh, a gift like that would do for your world 
if you had that in it, what it would do for you. And yet here in the word of God, you have Jesus say this. And we're like, oh, verse 22, what's it say? And then verse 23 and then verse 24. And Jesus is like, again, I say unto you, I'm about to tell you the most powerful thing in the world. Please don't just mentally ascend to it. Put it into practice. Like, please notice the power of this and execute it. That again, I say unto you, there is power in agreement. And that if two or more of you can get together as touching something in agreement, it will be done for you by my Father who is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in their midst. Wow. It's amazing to me how the Bible starts in the book of Genesis. You have chaos. And, and I don't know exactly what happened there. You know, I, I can't wait for kind of that moment where when we get to heaven, I can ask, like, what really happened before earth was recreated? Like, even the terminology that, that God gives Adam, replenish the earth. Well, it's like, what was there before? If you're replenishing something, anyway, uh, we don't know what happened there, but whatever it was, it wasn't good. There was darkness, and God is light. There is no darkness that is in him. So you have light confronting the darkness, good confronting the chaos. And in your life, if you live long enough, you are going to see the necessary need for this for good to confront the chaos, that as long as sin and Satan are in this earth, there will be no shortage of darkness that encroaches upon a nation or family or a body or marriage or a relationship. There will be no shortage of chaos that tries to break through the order of your life. And so oftentimes we feel the personal conviction and we should, to confront that darkness, to say, no, you will not have my family. No, you will not have my money. No, my life will not be remembered for this sin or mistake. No, we have this urge in us to confront the chaos. And that urge is put in us by the Lord God because we are made in his image and in his likeness, which means he does not allow darkness to go unchecked and neither should you. That, that we should bring, be people who embrace the need to say this is not okay and to stand in power and deal with it. But what is interesting is oftentimes how God encountered and dealt with his darkness and with his chaos is different than how we deal with ours. When God dealt with his darkness, it worked. It was not an ongoing battle of like 20 decades of trying to bring fundamental change and to take darkness and chaos and turn it into Eden. That in a matter of a day, uh, we're seeing progress. And after uh, six days, we are seeing a completion. And on a seventh day, we are resting because out of chaos and darkness came a beautiful Eden for a family to dwell in. 
Uh, and it was perfectly orderly. The lion is laying down with the lamb. There is not carnage. And uh, it's not overly rained upon where there's a flood. But it's not withheld from rain long enough that crops can't grow. The garden is perfectly watered. Everything is working orderly. Everything is working beautifully. Everything is working the way it should. And we long for a life like that. We long for a body that is working the way it should work. Like my body should work this way, but sometimes chaos enters in and it's like, it's not working the way it should. And other times it's in marriage. It's like, man, like I know it shouldn't be this chaotic. Uh, Like there ought to be some order here and there ought to be like, some beauty here and it ought to be okay and like we feel the need to confront that chaos Uh, sometimes even in our own dreams it's chaotic because fear has replaced vision and when I, I look up and I envision a future it is not of a vision where God is lifting up my eyes like he did Abraham but when I look out into the future I see pain there Loss there, divorce there, whatever it may be there. Chaos has so taken over my, my present that I, I only see it in my future. And we feel the need to confront it because our heart longs for Eden. That's what we were made for. We were made for order. We were made for beauty. We were made for control. And sometimes we feel so out of it. And you know how God confronted his chaos? Let us. Let us. Let us. And God the Father and God the Son and the Holy Spirit appear in the book of Genesis and together begin to turn the darkness and the chaos into light and order. Begin to take nothing and make it Eden. Let us. And we live in a world that is never more focused on me. Let me, a selfie type culture of, I don't need you to take the picture. I can take it myself. I'll get a stick that extends 20 feet. It must be to get the angle that I want, but I can do this myself. I'll be better Tomorrow, I will be better. On Monday morning, I'll start right then, and I tell you what, I'm going to whip this thing into shape. I'll never do it again, Lord. I'll never, I will never do it again. After today, done. Done, you get me out this time, I will not do it again. If it's to be, it's up to me. I'll try harder, I'll be better And God is saying, it was not let me that confronted this chaos, staying up in the middle of the night, wringing my hands as to what I am going to do. It was let us work together to confront this mess. And out of confronting it together, we can take chaos and turn it into Eden. But we have that same Adam spirit that tries to attach us, that we don't want to be seen by God, so we hide from him, and we don't want other people to see our nakedness and our issues and our frailty and our faults, so we cover up. 
And we live like Adam, walking around in a broken Eden, but still remembering what it could be. Filled with shame, hiding underneath some little bush, trying to figure it out all by myself. And God wants to redeem that from you. Let us. When's the last time you've been seen? And I I don't mean just like seen, like notice, like, hey, Joel. I mean like genuinely seen, weakness and all. Allowed yourself to stand transparent before God or before someone else and say, I need help with this. What do I need help with this? I am struggling going to sleep at night. I am struggling with with trying to figure all of this out. I am struggling with lust. I'm struggling with addiction. I'm struggling with bondage. There is chaos going on in my marriage. There is chaos going on in my body. I can't even think straight and open up to somebody else or God himself and let an us come in the middle of two or three gather together as touching that issue. And God is saying, that's where I show up. Let us take off the leaves, Adam. God knows what's under him. Eve does too. You're not near as good at hiding. People all around you have known you're not okay. Take off the leaves, Adam. Let us. Who do you need to invite into your life? Who do you need to invite into the chaos? Obviously the Lord, but did you know where the Lord shows up? The Lord shows up when two or three come together as touching that. And and what what I so desire is I, I desire a people... Uh, worshiping together in, in this tribe of believers here called Word of Life, uh, that there is no Adam nature that makes us hide from each other, thinking this is a museum for perfect people, filled with religion that always exalts self. Religion will always make you proud or disappointed in you. Christianity will always make you proud of Jesus. And, and to strip away all of this religion and to say, let us pray about it. Let us rejoice about it. Let us pray each other with each other. Let us come together. And, and I just feel really compelled, and this has been different from all of the other message, but I just feel really compelled uh, that out of this spirit of humility, like if you really could open up and find some people to come into agreement with. When Jesus used this, this story telling his disciples, again, I say unto you, it was not towards married people. I, I think marriage is a wonderful context, uh, context by which to have the prayer of agreement, but it's in no means limited to marriage. Uh, For most of these boys, they are young men. uh, And he is saying, like, I know your tendency to try to go at it all by yourself. 
You need to find some people to pray about the future with. You need to find some people to to come into deep relationship with. You need to find some people uh, to come and, and, and really touch an area of your life that you want to see God move on and come together and pray about it. Do not get infected with the disease of me. But steadily pull away from that and embrace the power of us. Let us confront this. Let us pray about this. Let us deal with this. All the people who failed in Scripture were loners, every one of them. If you look at what they had in common, it was not their their faults and failures uh, that uh, cost them. It was their loneliness. Isn't that interesting? David was a murderer, a murderer, but yet still a man after God's own heart. But if you read David's story, you see Joab's, you see Nathan's, you see Samuel's. Peter denied the Lord Jesus, not once, three times said, I do not know him. But when Jesus finds him, he finds him on a boat with James and John. When he found Judas, he found him alone. Samson, alone, edged his father out, edged his nation out, edged his community out in Delilah's lap all by himself. When he has an awakening, his awakening uh, literally ends with power, yes, but death as well. He was all by himself. Saul edged everyone out around him. He's got a David in his life who loves him. He's got a Samuel in his life who wants to coach him. He's got a Jonathan in his life who loves him. He's got a daughter in his life that wants counsel from him. He edged them all out because of his own insecurity and baggage, trying to redeem what Adam did by still covering himself up. Your weaknesses is not what will cost you. It's your loneliness and dealing with those issues. You must extend yourself as uncomfortable as it is. Is it dangerous? Yes. Golly, people will hurt you. I'm telling you, man, like people will, friends will disappoint you. Golly, you're going to be disappointed in the context of friendship. Family will wound you. In fact, some of you in these rooms, the the people who have disappointed you and failed you the most share your blood and share your name. And, And out of that, every time you deal with the power of us, you always see how powerful it is by how much it hurts. But you know why it hurts? Because Satan knows how powerful it is that one can put a thousand of flight, but two can put 10,000 of flight. That it literally 10 times your spiritual strength that out of it, you get together in agreement and it might be a whole work of counseling to get you to in agreement, but you get in agreement, you become an unstoppable force for the living God. That out of that, there is power in having a Joab in your life who can help you fight your battles. But it is dangerous when you fall. Notice it didn't say if you fall or, or just in this place of like, uh, you know, it's dangerous if you, you come to this and you stumble. But it's woe unto him that when he falls, he falls alone. The power of us. Who do you need to reconnect with? Jesus said in this same context, if your brother trespasses against you, you know what you do? You go fight for that brother. You tell him, this hurt me. 
but more than this hurting me. I want you to be my brother again. Jesus said, if he listens to you, you regain, you regain a brother. Well, how can you ever uh, lose a blood brother? Your blood, he's not talking about a blood brother. He's talking about someone you have close fellowship with. That when you are in agreement with them, there's an anointing on that agreement that opens up heaven. But Satan will attack that and try to make it awkward and try to bring distance and try to bring a disagreement. Because it's not just something that affects your heart. It is something that affects your prayers. But if you can close the door to the enemy and say, no longer will I allow you to have my us. I'm not hiding out underneath a bush, covering up my sin, fault, and failure. I'm coming. I'm reconnecting with Eve. I'm reconnecting with God. Instead of blaming everybody else for how I got here, I'm looking at God and saying, look, I know it's bad, but me, you, and Eve, we can pull this together. We can come here now. I know I made a mistake. I know I made a mistake. But us together, we can do something great. We can absolutely see this turn around. God, I'm all in. Tell me what to do. Uh, Eve, talk to me. Let's work this thing out. Can you imagine how different the Bible would be? And, and what, what I want us to, to do is to come and humble ourselves and say, you know what? I need a, a group. I need a church. I need a tribe. I, I need a, a group. I, I need a family. I'll close with this. The Lord dealt with my heart a number of years ago. He said, you need to extend the, net, the network of your connectedness to more people. I said, what? He said, you need to extend the network of your connectedness to more people. You need more people than you think you do. Let us. People unlock things in you. Sometimes one person, I mean literally one person, comes in your life and with the Spirit of God, unlocks something in you. you. You need more people than you think you do. And he said, it's not just for you, it's for your wife as well. That your wife needs more friends and, and, and needs more community. And he said, you can't wait for these things to drop in your lap. You need to extend your network. You need to increase your connectedness. And so for years, I opened up my life to connect with as many people as possible. And out of that, the Lord has dealt with me since that moment. He's like, now that you are connected, take advantage of that spiritual strength. Worship with those people. Pray with those people. Talk about the Lord with those people. Because when you get together in agreement and you don't just have friendship, but you have that friendship purposely pointed towards the power of prayer uh, that it unlocks something. And me and my wife would tell you there has been no shortage of hurt that has come up with any of those relationships, be it family or friends. And so often I have seen this over pastoring uh, close to 20 years now. I've seen so many people pull out of church because they were hurt, pull out of a family because they were hurt, pull out of a friendship because they were hurt. It got awkward. It got weird. They stopped sitting together. They stopped talking to each other. They stopped fellowshipping with one another, and they let a disagreement take them out of agreement. 
And I'm telling you, it is worth fighting for. It is worth fighting for. Don't give up on church. Don't give up on friends. Don't give up on family. Fight for agreement. Because where two or three come together in agreement, there the Lord is in the midst of them. And that group who's in agreement They live so much underneath an open heaven that they can ask for anything and it will be given unto them. Today, I want to end with with taking communion at all of our locations and just a time of prayer. Uh, If you don't have elements, don't worry. Uh, At the end of uh, me praying and during worship, the ushers will pass out the elements. But while we're worshiping and and while uh, we have these moments, uh, I want you to embrace the power of us. And maybe there's someone you need to forgive. Uh, Forgive that person and come back together in agreement maybe in your own heart, or or maybe there's someone you know you need to go talk to. Make a decision today during communion to go talk to that person. Maybe there is is someone that you know uh, has been living in the edge of, or maybe not even in the edge, in the center of chaos. And the Lord puts them on your heart to go and jump in that with them and allow the power of us to say, I'm going to go call them, I'm going to meet with them, and I'm going to pray for them. Uh, Or maybe it's in your own life, you have been trying to wrestle with all these things alone, trying your hardest not to be seen. And today you make a decision to say, I'm going to open my life up, I'm going to invite someone in, and I believe that us facing this can turn this chaos into something beautiful. But whatever it is today, I I want you to make that decision in worship and communion today. I want to ask you to invite the blood of Jesus to wash away the hurt that has been caused, to wash away everything up to this moment and say it is washed away. And I want you, when you're, you're, you're breaking the bread, to think about the body and the some bodies you need to invite into your life. And I want you to make a decision to stop trying to see progress alone, but to lean on us, the power of us, that when I link up with someone else, it invites Jesus into that as well. And let's have a, a moment of Holy Communion. Let's stand our campuses and I'll pray. Father, we thank you today for each and every person who is in this place. And Father, we thank you in Jesus' name that across the world and in our, our, our physical locations here, that right now we make a decision to forgive anybody that has hurt us or wounded us. Father, we make a decision right now to fight for the power of us Father, we make a decision right now to let the past be the past. And we make a a, a moment to say that we will not allow ourselves to be trapped with the disease of me. But we have humbly submitted ourselves to say, Lord, let us face this darkness. Let us face this chaos. And we believe that just as you brought Eden out of darkness, 
that you are bringing our promised land even out of our pain by the power of partnering. We love you, Lord, and we thank you that you meet with us in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen.